if people have never worked with an editor, they're quite unsure as to what to expect. I think some people are quite concerned that they're just going to red pen the whole lot and completely change everything, which, you know, any professional editor shouldn't be taking that approach. And I feel it's really important to make it a very collaborative process. Um, at least that's how I work. So that, you know, all my clients know that I will give them suggestions, but ultimately they know their voice better than anybody else. Hello and a very warm welcome to the Creating Happy Writers podcast. I'm your host, Steph Caswell, and I am so excited that you are here for today's episode. This podcast is for entrepreneurs, for coaches or consultants who are looking to write business books or non-fiction books in their space and they just want some support along the way. And that is what I'm all about, is giving you support and encouragement and advice wherever I can to help you on your book writing journey. With that being said, if you want to uh, head on over to stephcaswell.com, you will find a freebie that will help you start planning that book um, and it will take you through the five steps that I use myself when it comes to planning my own books that will help you get a really good idea of the book you're about to write. If you want something further, then go to Amazon and check out Dare to Write, which is my latest book. It takes you all the way from initial idea through to publication so you know exactly the step-by-step stuff you need to be able to do it. Without further ado though, let us crack on with today's episode because it is with somebody who is very, very dear to my writing heart and that is my editor, Jessica Brown. Now Jess is a non-fiction book editor professionally trained by the Chartered Institute of Editing and Proofreading. She's worked on over 100 books for both traditional publishers and independent authors. She has extensive experience in a range of genre from business and self-help to military history and memoir. However, her true love lies in supporting self-publishing authors to publish business-building books through a truly collaborative approach to the editing process. Now, I can attest to that because, as I said, Jess is my editor and I know how hard she works to make it a collaborative process, uh, and she is fantastic. And during this wonderful conversation, we discuss all sorts of things around editing, including what an editor actually does and the three core types of editor you're likely to encounter on your book writing journey, how they're going to help you and which ones are non-negotiable if you're on a budget. We also touch on what to expect when working with an editor and how to cope when getting the all-important editorial feedback on your writing, especially if maybe you don't agree with all of it. We also cover what you should look for in an editorial report to get the best experience for you and your book. And finally, we also talk about finding a reputable editor. How can you find someone with the experience and credentials to edit your book to a really high standard? And do you need your book edited before approaching a traditional publisher? It's a really, really exciting and helpful, informative conversation. So if you have no idea what an editor does or how an editor works or what you should expect, this really is a comprehensive guide for you. And I'm excited for you to listen to it. She really is, Jess, one of the best editors I've ever worked with. And she is a true champion of independent authors as well as female voices. So if you are looking for an editor in the coming months, I hope that our conversation has given you the confidence and the knowledge to pursue a brilliant relationship with your editor uh, so that you can write that high standard professional book that really showcases your expertise 
and more importantly that you find an editor that gets your work it's so important and I can highly highly recommend Jess if you're looking for somebody she is wonderful so let's get on with the conversation I really hope you enjoy it Thank you, Jess, for joining us today. And I'm really looking forward to talking to you about um, the editing process, because I know as an author, but also as a developmental editor, it can be quite daunting when it's your first time, maybe you're self-publishing or even if you're being traditionally published, having someone else's eyes on your work can feel a little overwhelming and um, so you know I just but before we get into any of that and and also kind of what an editor does I'd love to know a little bit about kind of how did you get into editing what was it about it that kind of brought you into into doing it yeah sure well thank you so much for having me it's such a pleasure so my route into editing was not the most conventional route I have to say so my background is in the military I was in the Royal Air Force for just over 13 years in a completely unrelated trade. And then after having my children and making the decision to leave the military, I was then at a bit of a crossroads as to what the next step would be. Um, And I have always loved languages. My undergraduate degree is in languages and English. Um, And I, from the military, I guess it helped, but I had a really... um, good sense of attention to detail so I was kind of thinking okay what are my skills what am I good at what do I enjoy um which led me on to train the Chartered Institute of Editing and Proofreading to become an editor and proofreader um so that's what I did and my first job within the editing industry was actually freelancing for a publishing house that specializes in um, military history and aviation (laughs) so you can see the connection there Um, And that was great. And I learned an awful lot about industry standards and book production process uh, and how it all fits together. Um, And I worked for a number of different publishing houses within similar sort of genres. Um, And I enjoyed it, but it wasn't setting my heart on fire. Um, Not the editing. I obviously enjoyed doing that. But in terms of the subject matter content, it was something that I knew a lot about, but it wasn't necessarily my passion which led me on to working with self-publishing authors who were working more within the self-development, personal development coaching spaces, because that's what I love. I love personal development myself and the joy of being um, self-employed and earning my own business is that I get to choose. (laughs) I get to choose what I work on. And so I was like, that's what I want to do. So that's kind of led me to build my business around helping entrepreneurs, coaches, subject matter experts that want to write a book to grow their business. And I help them from the editorial standpoint. So once they have completed their final draft um, and they're ready to kind of take the the next step towards publication, that's when they will come and see a copy editor which is where I come in and then I'll take them through that next stage. I think that's really that's a really good sort of leading into the sort of a question I had because often 
um, I get asked by authors, you know, what are the different types of editor? And they hear these types of editor names knocking around. So copy editor, there might be a structural editor or developmental editor, then there's a proofreader. And I think for people who, for their first time, if they're first time publishing and they get these names thrown at them and they're sort of like, I don't really know what that means. What do they do? Can you just give us that sort of overview of what are the different types of editor does? So the way I like to look at it is kind of like an inverted pyramid. Um, and you've got, I would split it down into three core editorial stages, just for simplicity. There are, you can add in extra bits, but generally um, most people that are self-publishing, if you can stick to these three core types of editing, then that's all you're going to need. So at the top of the pyramid, you've got your developmental editing, and this is your big picture editing so they are going to help you look at your overall structure the overall content of your book and whether or not are you delivering what you'll say you're delivering um are you going into enough, enough depth into certain areas does some areas need a bit more depth um, and they're going to be looking at that big picture thinking what they're not going to be doing is getting into the nitty-gritty of the grammar and the sentence structure um, and that kind of thing they are just going to be helping you really um craft the whole structure of the book and just make sure that it's really fit for purpose and it's really going to appeal to your um, desired audience and it's hitting all those boxes. Um, so once you've done that and you might have worked with a developmental editor to really get your final draft into place um, and you feel like you've kind of done as much as you can do in terms of the content, you're really happy with everything that you've got in there um, but you really just need some help now tightening it all up and making sure that it's as readable as possible that's when you would move on to the next stage which is the copy editor so a copy editor coming down the pyramid is looking at it a little bit closer so they're going to be looking at it at a sentence level making sure that your sentences are smooth that they're really readable um, ideally when a reader reads your book they don't want to be tripping over sentences and actually feeling like reading is a chore they want to be immersed in the actual content. So our job is to make that process as easy as possible for the reader. So we might be looking at things like um, inconsistencies or repetitions that you didn't intend to put in there. We're taking a look at the grammar and the, the sentence structures and just seeing if perhaps there might be a smoother way to um, write something. Um, my background, so I've got an applied linguistics background as well. So I'm really um, interested in inclusive language and gender inclusive language so they should be looking out for things like that and unintentional biases that you as the writer because we get very close to our writing um, picking up some blind spots that perhaps you might have noticed because you're the expert but sometimes somebody without any prior knowledge um, might need something explaining and just making sure there's no ambiguities within that um, and that usually has a couple of stages. So it usually goes to the copy editor and then it'll go back to the author. We'll have a look. They might make some revisions. It goes back again. Um, but by the end of that process, you should pretty much have your book in the state that it's ready to publish. Um, but before you do that, it needs to go through the very final editorial stage, which is the proofreading stage. And again, so they're going even closer, so right down to the bottom of the pyramid, looking at what we talk about is um, looking at a word level so where the copy editor was looking at it at sentence level they are looking at every single individual word making sure it's spelled correctly 
making sure that nothing slipped through the gaps, that's not been picked up by the editor previously. Um, and they're also going to be checking things to do with the formatting. So when your book's formatted from a Word document into what it looks like a book, so in a PDF, sometimes things can go a little bit out of sync and they're going to make sure that you know, the page numbers and the contents match up to the actual page numbers um, and they're going to make sure everything's aligned and in the right place and just doing that final quality check. So that's your three main stages really, developmental at the top, then copy editing and then finally proofreading. Mm, thank you. And I love the idea of that pyramid because that's really helped to sort of make people understand those three different levels, the stages. And almost like you said, it's that the, the wider part of the of the pyramid or the funnel, if you like, is that that wider overview, isn't it? And then the narrowest part of it is the very narrow look of a proofreader. So that was that's really helpful. Thank you. And I guess one thing I've been asked before and, you know, you and I are both kind of uh, in the sort of the editing game, but you obviously the copy editing, the proofreading side, me more at that wider level of developmental editing. But often I'll have authors say, um, is it do I have to have it edited? Or do I have to have all those stages of editing? And I, I as an author, think yes, because I think that you want, as a professional, as someone who's got a business, you want to put the best possible book out there. But if people are short on budget or they haven't got a lot of money to throw at editing, because obviously if you're self-publishing, you are having to do all these things up front. Is there a particular one that you think that if, if you could only sort of put your money on one, which type of editing you would say to people, definitely this is a must-have? Yeah, so I think with developmental editing, there's there's huge merit in it, but some authors just don't need it um, because they already have a really strong handle of the content and the structure of the book. And I would say probably 50, I'd say it's 50-50% with me um, of the, the authors that come to me and some have worked with a developmental editor and some haven't. Um, but in terms of kind of, copy editing versus proofreading um it's a really difficult call i think personally i feel that copy editing should be non-negotiable and obviously i am slightly biased in that but as part of the editorial process we are looking for some of the things that are proofreadable so we will do we are checking for spelling and grammar as well as lots of other things um and i think if you were looking to keep your budget as streamlined as possible, I would say that the non-negotiables would be copy editing and cover design. And those are the two that I would say will really stand out if you haven't had them done. Um, and if you have a good editor, then there's likely to be things that have slipped through that proofreader would pick up. Um, and, you know, perhaps if you... Are good at that kind of thing yourself or you know um you know your family members and friends that can help out and give that an extra look that might be something it's not going to be the same as a professional but it's going to give it an extra level of protection before it goes to print um but i would personally feel that those are the two kind of things that really from a quality perspective should be prioritized yeah, I agree and, and and we always say don't we we don't want to judge a book by its cover but actually we all do it and everybody of course, does yeah of course so it's so important to um get a pro on your book cover absolutely it makes the world of difference um and you know it is the first thing that people 
will often see regarding your book and people make snap judgments. So um, making sure it looks professional reflects that the brand that you have is so yeah, important. I agree. I absolutely agree. Now, I know obviously um, for as as you get more into um, publishing books, you know, like I'm sort of six books in, I don't feel that um, I get too concerned about my editor in terms of um, sending work your way because you are my editor um pleasure to be your editor (laughs) (laughs) and I I know though that I can remember the first book I wrote and the nerves I felt sending it off to somebody because chances are unless you have had a developmental editor the chances are that the first person or maybe the second person to ever read your manuscript is going to be your editor and I think there's a real piece of work to be done around trying to reassure people that an editor or a good editor at least will have your best interests at heart what do you what do you find is the most common I don't know, concern people have or worry that authors have when they get in touch with you? What do they sort of often worry about, about sending their work to you? Yeah, I think if people have never worked with an editor, they're quite unsure as to what to expect. Um, I think some people are quite concerned that they're just going to red pen the whole lot and completely change everything, Um, which, you know, any professional editor shouldn't be taking that approach and I feel it's really important to make it a very collaborative process um at least that's how I work so that you know all my clients know that I will give them suggestions but ultimately they know their voice better than anybody else and so you know it's it's very much um a collaborative process between the editor and the author uh, and if you know there's a suggestion that they feel well I wouldn't actually say it like that then that's absolutely fine a lot of the time the editor's job is to play devil's advocate just to ask the questions just to make sure like did you mean this and to offer suggestions and alternatives but it's nothing is set in stone because ultimately it's your book and as the author and that is the beauty of self-publishing is you get to have full creative control so whereas when you work with a publishing house who have essentially bought the rights to your book they have a lot more agency um to make changes over the author whereas when you're self-publishing you have complete control so you shouldn't be railroaded into making any decisions that you don't feel fully aligned with Mm. and I think that's really important some people assume that when an editor looks at their work that they're going to make changes that they they wouldn't they would maybe don't want them to make or that they're worried that, that it's going to get changed without them knowing and I think it's really important isn't it for people to understand that even if you're with a traditional publishing house no one would change anything without at least having a conversation with you if we're at traditional publishing level but if you're at self-publishing level an editor that is you know doing the job properly will like you say only ask the questions or make suggestions and you know when I do structural editing reports you know the developmental editing reports that I do I always say to people these are just suggestions you don't have to take on any of them if you don't want to Um, but you know in order to make it a better experience for the reader because ultimately they are the most important person at the end of it as much as we want us to think that as writers we're the most important person because we've got all the knowledge the reader is the most important person so having that pair of eyes 
that can act as the reader because we write and when we read back our work we're reading it back as writers we're not reading it back as readers and so having somebody's expert eyes on it but also you know playing the role of the reader and saying actually I'm reading this for the first time I'm not quite sure what you mean here or could you explain this a bit more or maybe you've as in my case with one of the chapters in dare to write I think it was the habits one I waffled on for too long about habits and you very kindly pointed that out and I think as I was writing it I was like you know what I think I think I'm waffling a bit more in this chapter than I have in any others but you know when it's the first draft second draft you sort of leave it in and then it's coming back to it and having another look at it once your editor's given it sort of an eye and given you their feedback so I think it's so important to reassure people that an editor who is uh, you know great at their job is there to like you say play the devil's advocate but actually do it in a way that is supportive and it's constructive feedback isn't it it's not criticism it's constructive feedback that is going to make the book better yeah Um, absolutely and it is just that objective pair of eyes but mm. also I think from the editor's perspective being mindful that this it's a big deal for, for most authors. This is, most of them I work with are first-time authors. And it's a huge deal. And to be sensitive about that um, and, you know, and taking that process at whatever pace they are happy with and keeping those communication lines open so they know that I am on their side um, and try to make that as positive as possible because that's, you know, I think that publishing your first book should be an amazing experience so that is something that I'm very mindful of and it's I feel very privileged that people have given me you know their manuscripts and it's not something that I consider lightly Um, and in terms of kind of making changes to the manuscript so I will do that as I'm going through if I see you know there's a something that's a grammatical mistake for example Um, but I use track changes and this is what most editors will use. I use track changes so that the author can see absolutely anything that you have done to their manuscript. So there'll be no surprises, nothing hidden, nothing deleted or changed that the author can't see. And if they're not happy with it, then they can redact that. Yeah, of course. I think that's a question then that when you were talking then I, I thought of is how do you find or how do you recommend that listeners find a reputable editor because editing much like I guess any experience in business you you know you have to try and see and find people and uh, you know that you are going to gel with and you're going to have rapport with but are going to do the job really well how, how do you sort of what would you say to people is the best way to look for a good editor yeah so editing like many Um, jobs within the freelancing industry it's non-regulated so anybody can they call themselves an editor without any experience without any qualifications Um, so personally I would be looking for somebody that has done some professional training Um, so the Chartered Institute of Editing and Proofreading in the UK and the Publishing Training Centre they're the two kind of gold standard um, training organisations and if you work for um, an editorial agency or publishing houses, they are um, organisations that they recognise as being reputable trainers. So that would be my first kind of question would be what kind of training have you done um, and what kind of experience have you done? So is your um, background in fiction novels or is it in non-fiction? Because they are two very different beasts. 
Um, so finding somebody that has some experience um, in the kind of book that you're writing, I would say is really important. Um, but in terms of kind of finding these people, I would say seek out people that you know have written books and talk to them about their experiences with their editor. Read the books as well. Um, and then you can kind of get a good idea of the final product. Um, recommendations are brilliant, but one person's kind of opinion and experience may be different to another. And I think it's really important to find the right editor for you and somebody that gets you, your message, gets what your book's about, um, is super important. So absolutely get on those discovery calls, talk to different editors, make sure that you have that synergy um, because this is somebody that you're going to be working quite closely with through your book process and someone who you're ultimately trusting with your manuscript. Um, so they would be my big tips really is to make sure that you, you know, you speak to the people that you're going to be working with, make sure that, you know, you've got that, that, that you gel, that you've got that connection. And, you know, if you, if you're really not sure, you can ask them for a sample edit and most editors should offer that and some do it for free and some will do it for a small fee. Um, but if you really want to try before you buy, then that's an option as well. And if people are thinking about traditional publishing and they're thinking, right, I know that they want, you know, I know I want to go to an agent or I want to approach a smaller publishing house. Uh, is it worth them getting an edit done before they even send off their proposal? Or would you say just get it into the best shape you possibly can uh, by your own means and then sort of be, be approaching people? Yeah. So there's two schools of thought with this, really. So ultimately, if you get signed, then the publishing house has their own editors and it's going to be re-edited anyway. So there is, there's no need to pay for the whole shaban before you approach a publishing house. And in most cases, they don't want the full book anyway. They're more buying the concept, so they want to know what the book's about and they want some sample chapters so they can see your style of writing and how you're projecting that message. Um, however... As you know, most people that are probably um, looked into going down this route, it's highly, highly competitive. And so what agents and publishing houses will want to see is that you have put a lot of effort into your submission and it's of high quality. So it really depends on how confident you are in kind of your writing and, um, and your proposal, because it's not, to be honest, a lot of it's not just the sample, it's how you put your proposal forward which is basically a business case quite a comprehensive business case um for your book so yeah it really it is really depends on on that and how much you're willing to invest in in that submission yeah i think you're right it's it is and i do say this to people because i think people have this romantic notion of publishing and that it's um it's it's all about the book and 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 the author and and it actually as much as obviously the book and the author are important like you say publishing is a business they want a return on their investment and if they can't be certain that they're going to get that return or at least you know a lot of a percentage certain that they're going to get some return then they're not going to take the risk and it is a financial risk publishing is terribly risky for publishing houses isn't it? because it's just it's 
what you assume is going to do well maybe it doesn't and then you get these sort of really sort of not obscure books but these really sort of niche books all of a sudden just take off and nobody expected them to so it's just that risk factor is a big thing for them and if you can demonstrate like you said that you're taking this seriously uh, that you've already got an audience out there that you've already got uh, you know some sort of foot in the door somehow around getting this book out there to more people um, than than maybe the next submission could um, I think yeah that's that's such a good piece of advice I mean personally I think if I was going to you know, submit or, or start querying uh, publishing houses or agents I think for me I'd want to make sure that the book's in the best shape it possibly can be and like you say it's not like fiction where all of a sudden they could be like oh you know you send in your first three chapters and then they're like can I read the rest of it yeah you know, in that and then you're like shit I haven't you know, yeah I haven't I haven't done the rest of it but it's not been edited properly but at the same time um, if you feel like you've got a book that's super you're super sort of solid about and that you're really happy with how it is at the moment then I think you'll feel more confident going into those conversations with agents and publishers around the book. Um, and hopefully, you know, it, w- it won't be changed too much. But as we both know, that's very much up to the publishing house. Um, I, I guess an, a question that can sort of lead on from there, I guess, is what would you advise people to do if they don't agree with what their editor is saying. Now, I know what you said, It's they're just suggestions. But I suppose when there's something that's quite, I guess, glaring to an editor or, you know, even for me in developmental editing, you know, sometimes the structure people are very set on. and again, But for the reader, it's just not maybe going in sort of, in a, it's not flowing in the way that would make more sense. If you are an author and maybe you're, you're not in agreement with your editor, what, what would you say to people is the best way to approach that? Okay, so a couple of things here, really. So initially, this is where I think it's really important you have the right editor in the first place, someone that you feel you can have these conversations with if you need to. And most editors, like like we've already spoken about, you know, they they are putting their their opinion on it. Is editing is a subjective um, process. Um, and they shouldn't be expecting authors to take every single, you know, suggestion on there at all. So it should be, you know, it might be that the the editor hasn't actually explained their rationale adequately. So the author hasn't understood why they want to change it. And once they kind of get that background, it helps them make a more informed decision. The other thing that I would suggest is um, beta readers and, um, well, yeah, beta readers as well. So normally, um, you would bring in beta readers prior to your copy edit, but you can, you could do it after the copy edit as well. And basically, beta readers are people who you would deem as your ideal reader, and they would read your book, and they would be reading, obviously, from a reader's perspective, saying what they like about it, what they don't like about it. Um, And this can be really useful in terms of gathering um, wider opinions other than just you and your editor because your editor may or may not be your ideal client really depends but I think it's really important to get that external perspective so if you're getting the same thing from a couple of people they both said the same sort of thing that can really inform your judgments and make you perhaps tweak certain things or 
make changes to make it more appealing to your desired audience. Mm. I, was, I, I saw a really good Neil Gaiman quote the other day and he said something like, if people make or say that you need to change some of your writing, uh, listen listen to them. This I'm talking about beta readers here, not editors. If people say you need to change your writing and then tell you how to do it, <laughs> that's when you don't, yeah. you don't need to listen. <laughs> and I thought that's really interesting because actually you know that's why having your ideal reader as one of your beta readers is so important right because if they're not if they're not somebody who is actually going to be impacted by your book or who the book you know just isn't for it's like giving me fantasy to read as a fiction reader like I just don't enjoy it so I could probably have a good bash at giving you some sort of feedback but I'm not your ideal reader and I suppose if you are someone who's writing for menopausal women and you give it to somebody who's 22 they're not really going to be able to give you that real feedback that actually counts and I do think it's so worth listening to beta readers around I mean I suppose mainly sort of giving them structured questions to answer because sometimes it's really difficult as a beta reader someone will be like what did you think and you're like, uh, oh my gosh, you know, I've got to somehow sum up what I think into something that I hope is helpful. Whereas if somebody reads your book and you're saying, could you just give me some answers to these questions and make them really specific, that can be much more helpful. And you'll get so much more from the process as an author. You can get professional beta readers that you would pay to do it. But I think just getting a, a core group of your, you know, your target demographic um, and people that have read widely and you know are really interested in your topic is really good. But they may probably going to need a little bit more guidance, exactly as you said. So like a little questionnaire just to guide them so they can give you for your benefit and for their benefit, really. Yeah, for sure. And then I know you do sort of um, the full publishing, self-publishing kind of package. And I know we spoke about the sort of the three stages of editing, but just for, for people who maybe have never done this before, who are listening, what comes after the proofreading stage until you're literally ready to upload and hit publish? What what happens in those kind of admin-y, bitty stages? You've got a choice really at this stage. So you can go to ARCs, which are advanced reader copies. So if you are planning on getting people to write reviews for your book prior to publication perhaps you want to put them on the cover of the book on the inside of the book as you you quite often see this in um traditionally published non-fiction books they'll have testimonials and reviews from you know prominent people actually on the cover so some people want to do that um and also you know it means that once your book's on there people can start leaving you reviews on amazon straight away um so you can factor in some time after the copy editing to send your book and, you know, they would be under the understanding that it's not been proofread yet, but, you know, this is pretty much the book as it's going to be. Um, the next stage is formatting. So that is where your book gets turned into what look it's super exciting for me anyway, um, because it, it turns from a weird document. So just, you know, reams and reams of text and it gets formatted into beautiful book and so you're scrolling to and it actually looks like a book um then you have the proofreading stage and normally your cover design has been kind of happening around the same time because there are certain overlaps so there's certain bits of information that the um cover designer will need from the formatter the proofreader will need to check the cover so this, is, this it gets a little bit kind of um 
nitty gritty and it can be a little bit fiddly trying to get all these different professionals to kind of interact so that's that's kind of where I come in um to help smooth through that process yeah such a good idea to have that project manager exactly and again it really depends on how how confident authors are with with doing that themselves they absolutely can um but a lot of the time it's knowing where each person fits and how they fit and in what order um and then after the proofread you are pretty much good to go and then it gets to the point where you need to upload it onto your chosen platform so most people choose to self-publish through either amazon kdp or ingram spark they're the two main uk um online publishing platforms um and what you should have been provided with is an internal um file which is kind of your your interior and then a separate cover file which you can then upload onto your platforms if you want an ebook as well that is another process as well so you need to get another person to convert the interior and the cover into an ebook yeah, because they don't just let you set. Because I think people sometimes think they could just upload a word document um, to to yeah, and it's or even a PDF, which I know you do when it's the print version on 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 Amazon. But yeah, when it comes to eBooks, it needs to be formatted and uploaded as an EPUB. So it's a special yeah, file, so. yeah, and that needs not everyone. You know, I think that is a specific skill set in itself to do that conversion. So and I. I, I think I've used when I've done it. I've used Fiverr actually for, for to find people because actually you can get somebody just to convert that for you quite cheaply uh, and and do it that way. But obviously, I know there are other people that have it as maybe part of packages they offer or you know that sort of thing. So it's definitely worth looking around, seeing what's available. But don't yeah, don't get fooled into thinking it's just a let me just quickly update my word document because it's just not like that. Um, and then I suppose I just sort of to kind of finish us off. Um, what do you enjoy most about being an editor? Um, 100% is working with the authors and being, albeit a small part of their book journey, um, which I'm sure you can relate as well. It's it's such an honour to be part of quite a significant thing in their life. And to, I think, most, most editors would say, you know, it's very cool to be one of the first people to read a book. I mean, that's, that is a huge, you know, huge honour um, and definitely not one that, you know, passes me by at all. But I'm very lucky to have worked with some incredible, inspirational people um, that are real kind of trailblazers, leaders in their field and so inspirational. And I just feel like I would read this book anyway. <laughs> and it's actually my job. And I just feel so lucky every day that I get to do that that's nice yeah I agree I think there is something really special about getting a book and for me I love the fact that I often get it in its kind of fairly rough form in terms of structure and I love working with people just to bring it all together to make it really stand out in terms of structurally and to make it really flow and make it enjoyable for the reader and then obviously yeah, I get to pass it on to you and you know it I think that just knowing that, like you say, you're part of that process is really, really special. Um, and then which which books then are your, I mean, we're talking any book now, you know, anything because you and I are both avid readers um, in this space of self-development and uh, personal development, et cetera. Which, you know, which books for you are your kind of favourites? 
I know that's a horrible question and I'm sorry to ask. I know, him. I know. It was, yeah, it's impossible to pick just just one book. It's certainly within, you know, the personal development genre because there's so many that have had an impact in my life. Um, I absolutely adore, and I know you do too, uh, Jen Sincero. She just, I could, I more listen to her than I read her books, but I could just listen to her audiobooks all day long. Um, and I recently read a book called Energize, um, which... Actually, um, I think it won one of the categories in the Business Book Awards this year. And I love that book so much. So they're probably like two, one that I've read recently and one that's kind of like a firm, long-term favourite and I've come back to again and again. I think it's interesting because I come back to Jen mainly because I find her tone of voice hilarious. I find it entertaining to read. And obviously you learn something, but I think there is something so incredible to establish a tone of voice that is so enjoyable for people to to read, to listen to. I'm, you know, as you very well know, a big Mel Robbins fan and I, I'm the same with her. I can read her books, yes, but I, I listening to them, there's just something about that experience which is, yeah, is incredible. And I suppose also, I think with self-publishing, you can... I think you're able to maybe showcase that side of you a little bit more maybe than you can from traditional publishing. And I was reading um, a Stephen Pressfield book while I was away over the summer and it's called Put Your Heart Where Your Ass Wants To Be. And I love Stephen Pressfield because he plays around with structure. So he'll have a chapter that's a sentence long and that is it. And I just think, and he self-publishes and I always think, you know, that's the thing that you get to do when you self-publish is you get to play around with maybe what conventionally in the traditional publishing world just wouldn't, yeah, just wouldn't, just wouldn't wash. Um, but yeah, no, I, I love Jen as well. I think she's she's very, very funny. And I've I've not read Energize, but I know I've seen you talking about it on social and um, yeah, definitely something that I'll, I'll dip into. Oh, good. Thank you. I always love a recommendation, as you know, just goes on the ever growing to be read pile. My last question, and I, I ask everybody this, um, if you have one piece of advice for an aspiring author or somebody who's in the middle of writing their first draft and this is their first rodeo, um, what would you what would you say? What's your advice? Well, it's so hard to pick one. I would say probably take your time to pick your book team. To the people that are going to work with you on your books, that is going to be, you know, your editor, your proofreader, your formatter. These are the, that's the people that you're going to work with. Um, because getting the right people um, is so important. And I think sometimes authors, if they don't really understand the process, they kind of think, well, I'll write the book and then a month later I'll be able to publish it. And not really appreciating that actually the process from copy editing, through to being able to press, you know, publish and it be be up for sale is usually five to six months. I'm going to be honest, depending on the length of the book, obviously, um, on average, most of the books I work on are around 50, 60,000 words. And people are really surprised when I say, you need to give yourself a good, you know, five, six months. Um, and that's not to say that each process takes that long. It's just that you need to build in contingency because absolutely, I have rarely had um, an author where there hasn't been some kind of curveball or bump in the road. You know, things just happen that kind of take you slightly off course or things take longer. Um, and also making sure, you know, that people have availability. So if you have somebody that you really want to work with, asking, you know, wait until the moment you need them 
means that, I mean, you might get lucky and they might have a cancellation and they might have availability, but there's no guarantee. So unless you are willing to wait, um, then start looking early, start having those conversations and asking around and doing your research um, in good time so that, you know, when you get to that stage, you are good to go. You're, oh my gosh, that is such a very good point. I'm so glad you raised it because I would have been frustrated if I'd come off the call and not actually spoken about it. We both experienced that where people want something immediately and they were like, oh, well, I thought I was going to publish in a couple of weeks. And and I think it's about managing people's expectations around the publishing process. I mean, if you're thinking of being traditionally published, you know, good luck to you because it could be 18 months before, you, you know, before anything actually hits a bookshelf in an actual shop. Um, but if you are being, if you're self-publishing, yeah, I absolutely agree. I think you have to contact people when you are writing your first draft and say, look, and, and I say to people, you know, I did this, I did this, you know, when I'm thinking about, you know, the next book and thinking about working again with you, you know, I, I use it as a deadline. I'm like, right, I've said to Jess, I'm going to get the book to her by X date. And that really helps me. I'm like, right now I need to get my ass in the chair and actually write. Um, and that can be a real kick up the bum that maybe people don't anticipate, but also like you say, it's availability. You know, people who are good editors are booked up in advance because they are good editors. So you, you can't all of a sudden just expect people to be ready when you are. You have to be uh, proactive about it and you have to be, you have to plan it like you would anything else in business. You know, if you consider having your website redone, for example, you're not just going to phone somebody who'll be able to say, oh, I can start this afternoon because again, they've got people. So it's no different for professionals in the book world. You know, you have to give them space and time to be able to book you in. Um, and if that your editor isn't ready uh, yet, and you are totally convinced they're the right person for you, then you then I would say just wait and just think to yourself, do you know what, I really want this person to work on my book because that's the most important thing, like you said. It's the rapport you have. You want somebody who gets what you're trying to do and that's why I love working with you because you totally get what I'm all about and you totally get my tone of voice and, you you know, and, and I think if you'd said to me, listen, I, you know, you're going to have to wait three months, I would have waited three months more because I thought I don't want to work with somebody who doesn't get my book. And fundamentally, that's the most important thing is that you've got someone who's going to champion it right to the right to the wire and and beyond, you know, whenever anything great happens with your book and, and you want someone who's going to be like cheering you on all the way. So, yeah, absolutely. And it's that's again, you know, when you're talking about what's your favorite bit, it's it doesn't stop at publication like so many of my um, my previous authors, I get to watch them like go from success to success and their books have obviously been part of helping them build their business and create that success. And a lot of them have become friends, which is just another, you know, huge benefit of my job that I get to work with these lovely people that I get to stay part of my life afterwards. Um, and in terms of kind of booking your editor, yeah, like, for some people, it's it's great accountability. And I hear that so often that people are like, yes, no, I need that. I need that date to get it done. I need to. Um, and, you know, I know myself, if I have, a, you know, a hard deadline, then by hook or by crook, <laughs> it's going to be done. Um, but I think also people are worried that, you know, am I going to lose my spot? What happens if I booked an editor and then it's not ready? Um, and I would say, you know, the majority of editors certainly the way I work is that I try to be as flexible as possible and I understand you know life and writing schedules they don't always go to plan and quite often authors can be quite um, over ambitious in you know and how much they're going to get done and I, I completely understand that you know people's um, timelines are not all the same so 
if things have to be pushed to the right, subject to, you know, other things that are booked in, then that can absolutely be accommodated. It's not kind of like, this mm. is the date and then that's... Yeah, exactly. No, it's then or nothing, so... That's a question maybe to ask then when you are having these discovery calls with editors and say, you know, if you're if you're worried about that and hitting a deadline and maybe just say, you know, if I put a, if I put a book in with you and then I find that I'm a few weeks behind, you know, is that okay? And then you'll know, that, you know, if they say actually no for whatever reason, which I can't imagine they would, but if they did, then at least you're like, do you know what, actually maybe that you know, that doesn't feel right for me. Yeah. I mean, sometimes they might have a, another project booked in for that time space, which limits them slightly. But, um, you know, the vast majority of people, they're going to try and be as adaptable as they can because they want to help, you know, they want to help you. So definitely have those conversations, ask those questions so you know exactly where you stand. Yeah. Oh, Jess, I've loved talking to you. I feel like I could talk to you for ages. So nice. Can you, oh, um, can you tell everybody where they can find you on your website and social media before you go? Yes, of course. So you can come over to my website, which is jessicakatebrown.com. I'm on Instagram, JKB Publications and LinkedIn under the same JKB Jessica Kate Brown. Um, and on Facebook as well. Brilliant. Well, as I say, I, just before we leave, should say that Jess is my editor. I recommend her to everybody that I ever work with at a developmental stage um, because if you are looking for somebody who is totally supportive and gives you such incredible feedback but also is totally championing what you're trying to do, then Jess is your woman. So thank you, Jess. I love talking to you today. Thank you, you too. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I really feel that you've come away with a vast amount of knowledge about the editing process, which is going to really give you that all-important feeling of empowerment and knowledge and confidence when you go into the editing process. So rather than fearing it and worrying about it, you've now got a little toolkit of things that you can do and say and things to look for when you're working with an editor and finding an editor in the first place. If you did find this episode helpful, please leave a review on your favourite podcast provider. I would absolutely love it. Uh, And I will leave all of Jess's details in the show notes so that if you do want to chat with her about editing your book, you can find the stuff down in the show notes. So until next time, my lovely writer, happy writing. 